0: Well, we have with us today the Word of God with a very special word in it that I want you to lift out with me and focus on for this week. If you will take your Bible, not only in verse 13 of what we read together, but in numbers of other verses, this word, no, comes into being. In verse 13, we read that you may know that you have eternal life. We are in a series on the general theme. It's the normal thing. This is the fourth message in the title. It's the normal thing to be a person in the know. Now, take 1 John chapter 2 and look at verse 3 and then verse 5. Now, by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Verse 5, But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. Chapter 3, verse 2, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know, that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, but we shall see him as he is. Verse five, same chapter, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Verse 14, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. Verse 19, and by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Verse 24, now he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him, and by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Chapter 4, verse 13, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us. Chapter 5, verse 20, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true in his Son, Jesus Christ. I suspect you did not really realize how many times in that one short epistle, that letter of John, To the church, that word no appears. This speaks of the importance of assurance. That's another word for it. Assurance. We live in a time of uncertainty without question. We live in a time of insecurity without doubt. It is an unstable time as Pastor Quackenbush has already alluded to. Life for many is filled with fear, anxiety, worry, and depression. Millions of dollars a year are spent on medication for depression alone in this land. And it's due somewhat to our environment. So in the midst of all of this, The Holy Spirit comes to tell us it's the normal thing to be a person in the know, which will take away the fear, the anxiety, the worry, the depression. I love the old story, which you probably have heard of the gentleman who didn't have much of an education, but he loved God. And he was in a meeting where the testimonies were being given and they decided that they would testify with Scripture So he stood and said, my favorite verse in the Bible is the verse that says, and it came to pass. And they thought that was a little funny why that would be his favorite. And he said, when I'm pestered with trials, the valleys are deep and the mountains are high. He said, I don't go very far until I think. Praise the Lord, it ain't come to stay. It come to pass. Now, the theology may not be as sound as some, but I like it. It come to pass. And that's really what John is saying to us in this subtle way, in this wonderful epistle he wrote, that you may know. And when you know that you know that you know, There comes a stability to life that will amaze many people around. Jesus said in Mark 13, 29, when you see these things happening, know, there's that word again, know that it is near at the very doors. When you see what things happening? The things we're seeing right now. And we'll get into that a little later in detail. But know that it is near at the very doors. What? Your salvation is near at the very doors. In spite of the prognosis of the end time, Jesus says, it's the normal thing to be a person in the know. Now, many of you read Peanuts, Well, there's theology in Peanuts because Schultz is a Christian and he gets theology in there. The other day, there was a cartoon of Peanuts with Charlie Brown busy building a birdhouse. Lucy comes by and asks, how's the birdhouse coming, Charlie Brown? Charlie replies, well, I'm a lousy carpenter. I can't nail straight. I can't. Saw straight and I always split the wood. I'm nervous, I lack confidence, I'm stupid. I have poor taste and absolutely no sense of design. So all things considered, it's coming along okay. I like that because it seems to express where we are in God's calendar. All things considered, it's coming along okay. The Gospel of Matthew closes with these wonderful words of Jesus. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. However shattering your experiences may be, it's coming along okay. He is near you. He cares about you. He will always be there, and he will always care. Are you a person in the know? Now, there are three things that I want to speak to you about today. One, do you know you are born again? Number two, do you know you are a forgiven person? And number three, do you know that Jesus is returning? Now, there are many no's that I could speak about today. But I think in these three we will capsulize a majority of God's word and truth. First of all, do you know you are born again? Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3 3 You must be born again. And I want to say to all of you who hear me today you must be born again. What a thrill! It's almost beyond comprehension to think of it, that you could really be born again. Yet it's happening every day. One of our staff reported to the men yesterday about Daryl Strawberry, the all-star outfielder, formerly of the New York Mets, now of the Los Angeles Dodgers who just had a total life-changing experience with Christ. He was, you know, before all messed up. There were drugs in his life, and his marriage was split, and he's looking forward now to getting back with his wife. But he said in the article, I was taken to a revival by a relative. And in that revival meeting, the power of God hit me and laid me out on the floor. And he said, when I came to, I was born again. I was changed. I may have to be now a Dodger-Rooter. I'm evaluating that. But that's what's happening every day. Life-changing experiences. Bruce Larson, in his book, Living Beyond Our Fears, tells of a judge in Yugoslavia who had an unfortunate accident. He was electrocuted when he reached up to turn on the light while standing in the bathtub his wife found his body sprawled on the bathroom floor. He was pronounced dead, and as was the custom there in that town, he was placed in a room under a crypt in the town cemetery for 24 hours before burial. In the middle of the night, however, the judge came to. He was not dead, as they supposed. He realized... This is a true story. I'm not kidding you. He realized where he was, and he rushed over to alert the guard, who promptly ran off, terrified. (laughs) But fortunately, he had presence of mind to get a friend. He wasn't going to come back alone. He got a friend and returned to release the now revived judge. Well, the first thing the judge thought of at that point was to rush and tell his wife. So he ran to the phone and called his wife, who promptly screamed and fainted dead away. He went to the houses of some of his closest friends who all shut the door yelling, It's a ghost! It's a ghost! this judge had to call a friend of his several towns away who didn't know he was supposed to be dead to notify his family and friends that he truly was alive, that he had been revived, and not to fear when he approached them. Well, I read that story and I thought, that is not unlike what I want to preach about today. We were dead. And for all intents and purposes, the devil had us buried. We were down and out. But Jesus came along, hallelujah, and he revived us. He gave us new life until Paul says, he that is in Christ is a new creation. All the old is passed away and everything has become Isn't that a description of what happens, though? And the world needs to hear it. You must be born again, a new creature. You don't have to keep going the way you're going. You don't have to remain dead in your trespasses and your sins. You can be transformed, brought to life by the power of the resurrected Jesus. We sang this morning, I know in whom I have believed. Those are Paul's words in 2 Timothy 1.12. I know in whom I have believed. It's not a hope so thing. You know there are people in some churches today who are really not sure where they're going to spend eternity. They're not really convinced that they are ready for a place called heaven. What a horrible thing it would be to have a religion like that, to have a God that would intimidate us by lying to us in a book called the Bible. But he didn't do that. He is not that way. He did not say, you trust me in hope that you will make it, that maybe if you do enough good things, I will consider it. It says right here in our text, verse 13, that you may know that you have eternal life. That's the kind of God I want. That's the kind of religion I will latch on to. I know in whom I have believed. It's not hope, so it's I know. Well, you say, how can I know? Look at Revelation 3.20. Jesus stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. He says in that verse, Behold, I stand at the door and knock if any man hears my voice and opens the door. I will come into him and will sup with him, which means I will have fellowship with him and he will have fellowship with me. Someone has painted the picture of Christ knocking at the door. They painted it correctly because you see no knob on the outside where Jesus is knocking. It says that I stand at the door and knock. Jesus doesn't open the door. He said, if you will open the door, the knob is on the other side. If you will open the door, I will come in. That's his promise. You must be born again. I will come in. What you're feeling right now in this service, some of you is the knock of Jesus on your heart's door. The gentle, loving Jesus saying, I want to get in. I want to save you for eternity. I want to give you eternal life. I want you to know that you have eternal life. That's the Savior I've met and I preach to you today. The one who can give you that kind of assurance. I will, he said, come in. You must open the door. Do you know that you have been born again? You can know before you leave this place? Secondly, do you know you are a forgiven person? You say, well, what's the difference between that and being born again? There are born again people who don't seem to realize they are a forgiven person. We're dealing with them all the time, living in guilt, living in the horrible past. Digging up all of the sewage and the garbage of yesterday. You don't have to do that because Jesus Christ takes all of our sins and buries them in the sea of his forgetfulness. As far as the east is from the west so far, Hath he removed our transgressions from us? John wrote, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. 1 John 2, verse 12. I write to you that you may know your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Do you know that today? He died to put away our sins. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter 2.24, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. John the Baptist cried in John 1.29, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Isaiah the prophet, chapter 53, verse 6, says, The Lord laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. And in Psalm 32, 1 and 2, the psalmist said, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute or charge iniquity. Some of you are sitting here today, living with guilt. You didn't do the right thing. Will you today come to a Savior who shed His blood for the covering of your sins and get rid of the past and go on and be a blessing to God and to man and to yourself? Do you know you are a forgiven person? The Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco has become the number one suicide spot in America. On a warm, clear day in the summer of 1987, three and a half years ago, 28-year-old Kenneth Baldwin stood mid-span and said goodbye to the world. Weeping with joy at the decision to kill himself, he gripped the guardrail, vaulted over the bar, and plunged more than 240 feet toward the frigid waters and what he believed would be certain death. When I got on the bridge, he said, I believed I had made the right decision and I felt more happiness than I had experienced for months. But I panicked when I pushed off and saw my hands leave the guardrail. I instantly knew I had made a big mistake, but there was nothing I could do. You're right there with him, I can tell. There was nothing I could do but live through those agonizing seconds knowing I would be gone as soon as I hit the water. But Kenneth Baldwin didn't die despite the one in 100 chance he had to survive the impact. He was not only alive and virtually unharmed, but treading water with a renewed vigor for life. <laughs> this is what he said. I should have died, but I didn't. And today all I know is that I'm thrilled to be alive. I'm really blessed. Friends... It could be that I'm talking to any number of persons today who haven't gone out on the bridge yet, but you've thought about it. And I'm here to tell you, you don't have to jump off a bridge. All you need to do is jump into the arms of Jesus. That's what you need to do. Jump into the arms of Jesus. (laughs) Become aware of your destiny which is not death in frigid waters, but life with God eternally forgiven. Wait a minute, preacher. You mean to tell me that if I come, as you say, to Jesus asking for forgiveness, he won't even bring up my past? That's exactly what I'm saying. Our sins have already been judged. The ones before we were converted and the ones after we were converted. They've all been judged. And God said, the penalty has been paid. I receive the sacrifice. First John 1 9 tells us that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanseth from all sin. I don't know what all means to you, but it means all to me. It means every sin, every failure, every mistake, the murderer, the adulterer, the deviant, the liar, the gossiper, the slanderer, all sin. Hear me. Don't let the devil rub your nose in your sins. Jesus died to take care of that. Know it. It's a normal thing to be a person in the know. You can walk out of here with a grin on your face a mile wide. People in the office will wonder about you. That's the way it ought to be. Because our sins are buried in the sea of God's forgetfulness. Serve him without the weight and the guilt of your sin. That's what we are to do. And that's what this service is built around today. Thirdly, do you know that Jesus is returning? I want you to open your Bible to Mark chapter 13. There is a wonderful passage here in Mark where Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's talking to them about the fig tree and then he's talking about no one knowing the day or the hour. Mark 13 verse 28. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. Now, friends, any student of the Bible will tell you that when the Bible talks about the fig tree, it is talking about Israel. Israel is the fig tree in Scripture. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see these things happening, what things? All the things he's been describing pertaining to the end time. When you see these things happening, know that it is near at the very doors. Verse 30. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation, what generation? The generation alive when the fig tree buds. In 1948, the fig tree started to bud. The blue and white flag of Israel was flown again with the nations of the world, a recognized entity in the world the first time since 70 A.D. when Titus destroyed Jerusalem. The fig tree started to bud. In this generation, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. You see, this is the uniqueness of these words. All of them have taken place at some time in history, but never with such rapidity and never all at the same time when Paul says there will be earthquakes and famines and pestilences and all of these other things that are a part of the end time. What he's saying to us in connection with this passage is they're all going to be happening in this generation, and they are, they are, they are. Heaven and earth, he said, will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Now he says this, but of that day and hour, no one knows. Neither the angels in heaven or the Son, but only the Father. Only the Father knows the day or the hour. We are not to be in the know as to the day, the month, the year, morning, noon, or night. That is not God's design. If he wanted us to know, he could have printed it out for us. But he did not. He did not want us to know, evidently, who the Antichrist would be, so he never named him. Now, there are many who like to name him. And there are books that are in the fire because they did. And before the ink was dry, their Antichrist, was no longer apparent. Now, I have a new book in my office. Right now I have it in my study today, which names Saddam Hussein as the Antichrist. Spells it right out. It also said in the earlier part that the United States would never enter into war over Kuwait. You see, we get off track, and we get all bogged down and miss the most wonderful things that we ought to be understanding. So Jesus says, you're not going to know that day. If the Lord had wanted to print the name of the Antichrist, he could have put it in here. He just didn't choose to do that. So he says, take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping, And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. We do not wait in vain. We do not watch in vain. He is coming. Do you know that Jesus is returning? In verse 26 of Mark 13, it says, The Son of Man will come in the clouds with great power and glory. U.S. Army General Vernon Walters tells the story of a man in the Soviet Union who had been waiting more than three years for the new car he had ordered. Finally, he telephoned the car dealer and asked if a delivery date had been scheduled. Yes, the dealer replied, your car will be delivered to you on November 14, 1993. Now the man asked, will it be in the morning or in the afternoon? The dealer said, why in the world do you want to know that? He said, the plumber is coming in the morning. There are some parts of this world where you wait in vain. There are some things you will wait in vain for, but not in regard to the coming of Jesus Christ. He will return 318 times. In this book, it says He will come again. Now, if it had only been once, it would have been enough for me. But He said it 318 times. John fourteen three would have been sufficient. Jesus said, I will come again. Do we really need 317 more references? Well, evidently, because he gave them to us. And I'm so thankful to stand here today and tell you that this can be the most wonderfully generating electric knowledge that you would ever receive in your life, that he's returning. And it's not in the hands of Washington. It's not in the hands of somebody in Iraq. It's not in the hands of some legislative body. It's not in the hands of this world. Jesus is coming at his time. And in that day, he will bring those from the grave who have trusted him and those of us who are alive and remain, will be caught up to meet them and Him in the clouds. And so we shall be forever with the Lord. Your future is not based upon some man's philosophy or some man's decision. It is based entirely on the Word of God and the promise, I will come again. It'll keep you living right. That's why he didn't give us the day. If we would know it was two weeks from now, we'd go out and sow our wild oats and have fun. And just before he came, we would make it all right. I know you well enough to say that. So he said, watch and pray keep an up-to-date experience. Talking with some of the men yesterday, it became apparent to us that one of the things that plagues us is that we don't keep our relationship daily. We don't watch. We don't pray. We let things pile up until life is so rugged and filled with turmoil that only God could turn it around. So he gives us this doctrine that we might know it's going to be made right. All of the injustices, all of the problems, when he comes, it will be made right. And we need to keep looking and we need to keep waiting. He saw it as the only hope for distraught humanity this doctrine, and the Bible closes with the doctrine. Open to Revelation 22. It's the last page. Some publishers print the words of Jesus in red, so they stand out on the page. When you come to verse 20 of Revelation 22, you see these Five words, surely I am coming quickly. Printed in red, Jesus said to John, surely I am coming quickly. Now I want you to catch the response of aged John. He's on Geritol. He's old. Life is pretty well past old John by. But when Jesus said, surely I am coming quickly, I want you to get old John's response. He leaps to his feet and he shouts, amen! Even so, come, Lord Jesus! That ought to be the response of all of us in a world that's gone nuts. Instead, we sit here yawning, looking at our watch. Some are already into never-never land. Jesus is returning it's your only hope and as I stand here to tell you about it I pray that at least in your heart you're doing somersaults amen even so come Lord Jesus I long for you I long It's a doctrine I grew up with. It was drilled into me. I thank God for that. I don't want to ever get away from it. To live knowing that any day the Father could say to that mischievous angel, go over and get a hold of that handle on the rapture machine. And this time, don't let anybody take you away. When I give the signal, push the handle down. That's the way old McClure told it in Kansas City for years. If you're new here, this is kind of an old thing here at Capitol. He used to speak like that and he told about the rapture machine and about the mischievous angel who for years has been creeping over to the machine and he gets a handle in his hand and God says, hold it! Not yet. But one of these days he's not gonna say hold it, he's gonna say push it. and we're gonna go up when the handle goes down. And then John ends the whole Bible. With these words, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Isn't it interesting that he would use the word grace? (laughs) Covering for every sin, that's what grace means. Covering for every sin, strength for every trial and every weakness. Grace, grace, grace. The poet penned these few lines. Grace there is my every debt to pay. Grace to keep me faithful day by day. Grace to wash my every sin away. For me, for me, for me. That's all he could say in the last line. For me, for me, for me. you get it? It's personal. It's the normal thing to be in the know. He's coming, and there's grace enough to take us all, to be with him forever. Hallelujah! What a Savior. What a promise. But you say, I'm not sure I want this. The reason I'm not sure is because I see so much inconsistency, so much hypocrisy. Don't let that stop you. There was a farmer that used to tell his pastor that, and it made his pastor mad, as it would any of us. He'd keep saying, I'd come, but there's too many hypocrites in your church. So one day the preacher went out to the farm, and he said, Sir, I want to see your herd of pigs. Took him out. Boy, they were a fine-looking lot, almost all. Big, fat ones, just healthy. Beautiful. would look good on any table. But the preacher said, there's the one I want right out there. Where? Which one? That one, right? Well, that's the skinniest, scrawniest one I've got. You don't want that one. No, he said, that's the one I want right there. Well, what about these big, fat, healthy? No, I want that one. And he made him go get it, and he paid him for it, and he held that sick-looking pig in his hands and he said now sir I'm going to go all over this community and tell the people this is the kind of pig you raise here on your farm he said that's not fair and at that the preacher grinned a big grin to let his point get through you can pick out some scrawny ones they're around here But there's a lot of fat, healthy ones, too. I mean, really robust in God. Hallelujah. Just stop looking at the herd and look at Jesus. He'll never disappoint you. He'll never fail you. He'll never cut you off. He'll never do it other than what he said he would do. Look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Stop looking at the crowd. Sure, there are some phonies. We have to expose them once in a while here so people don't get hurt and damaged. But I know many healthy ones. I thank God for the healthy the whole ones they're doing business for God they're right on they're in the know and you can be among them if you make a good decision today. Jesus came that you may know that you may know you're born again that you may know your sins are forgiven that you may know Jesus is returning. The fig tree is budding. The signs are everywhere. He didn't ask us to know the day or the hour, but he asked us to watch. Look at the signs. You'd have to be deaf, dumb, blind, totally out of it, not to realize that the day Jesus spoke of is this day, this day. this is a service of hope this is a service of uplift this is a service of assurance we're not dealing with hope so stuff here today this is real stuff this is right from the heart of God for earthlings like you and like me that we may go out of here with our heads high No matter what happens there, we know there is a better day coming. And we're ready. Our sins are forgiven. We've been born again. We were put in the crypt underneath the cemetery. But somewhere along the way, we were revived. We were resurrected in Jesus Christ. And we now await his return. I want you to bow your heads throughout this auditorium and ask no one to move for a bit. We have concluded our appeal. Jesus is in this room. His Holy Spirit is dealing with our hearts. And before I pray, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to this message from God's Word. I want you who know that you are born again. There is no doubt you are born again. I want you to raise your hand in testimony. I have been born again. God bless you many. Now, if you couldn't raise your hand, whatever reason, that's not what's important. What is important is that you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life today Wash your sins away. Become your friend and savior. For one day he will be your judge. And it will be wonderful to stand before him and not see him as a judge, but as a savior, as a friend. So would you allow me to pray for you? You would like to be born again. You couldn't raise your hand. Maybe this is your first time at Capital Christian Center. Maybe it's your first time to be exposed to the gospel As the Bible presents the gospel, I'd like you to raise your hand and say, Pastor Cole, I am a candidate for this wonderful experience you've been talking about. I want to be born again. Over on my left, thank you, over there. Right down here, thank you. God bless you. Hold your hand up until I see it, then you may put it down. Thank you, over on my right. Thank you, another hand on my right. Thank you, back here. Thank you, I see your hand. God bless you. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Upstairs I look for a moment in the balcony you lift your hand up there so I can see it. I'm, I'm watching now I need to be born again Thank you up there on my right. God bless you. Yes On my left. Yes. Thank you up there. Thank you. God bless you and way up on my left. Thank you up on top there How about on the main floor again? I raise my hand. I want to be born again. I Do need to know who this Jesus is personally Here's my hand with all the others that have been raised. Lift it right now, right now. And another, God bless you. Now let me turn to number two. You really know you're a forgiven person. Some of you have come to church today covering over sin. I want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, I get rid of my sin right now through the blood of Christ. Pray for me. Lift it up right now. You don't want to take your sin out of here. You're going to leave it here with, Christ's blood covering it. Oh, many, many of you. God bless you. I commend you for being bold. Now finally, how many of you weren't really sure about the coming of Jesus? You've really felt now in this service that he is going to return and you're going to watch and you're going to pray. You're going to raise your hand now and say, that's me. I want to be faithful. Lift up your hand right now throughout this auditorium. Yes, yes, yes. You can know It's the normal thing. Now, Father, I thank you for this wonderful response on each of these questions. And I lift up to you these dear people that you've entrusted to my care and ministry this morning. I ask you to come into the hearts of those who said, I want to be born again. I believe your word, Lord, you will not cast one away. Forgive them of their sin in Jesus' name. And I pray for those who raise their hands saying, I've got sin in my life. Right now we ask and we repeat this prayer out loud together. Dear Lord Jesus, everybody, dear Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Blot it out. Cover me with your blood. I'm sorry for my sin. I repent of it. And I will serve you now until you come. And Father, may that theme fill our hearts as we leave this place in a few moments. May it remain with us through the week. And may we be like old John, shouting, Amen, even so. Come, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Make it a real thing to all of us. We ask in Christ's name, Amen. Let us stand together, please, throughout the auditorium. Pastor Farron's going to lead us in a song. Our staff will be here at the front. I want to ask those of you who said I need to be born again, would you come forward and get some material I've prepared just for you? I can't catch you. There are too many people. But if you'll come here, we'll have a moment. Everyone Jesus called, he called publicly. He said, come follow me. I ask you to come and make a public declaration of your faith. Whether you're in the balcony or on the main floor, just come forward. If you need water baptism, come over by the flag on my right. Somebody will be there to give you the baptismal material for tonight's service. If you need prayer for something in your life, you come. Jesus is here. I feel his presence. This is such a wonderful opportunity to draw near to the Lord. You come. Take this next step. It'll just take a few moments. God bless you as you do.